So welcome to Coming Legendary. Um, this week's episode is a little bit different. We have a guest that chose to remain anonymous. And he chose to do that because he wanted to be able to speak freely about his profession. Um, his profession is a public school teacher. And he wanted the opportunity to just to be able to make critiques or criticisms about the experience of being a public school teacher without any worry about the, the honest conversation coming back and having negative implications. And I can 100% respect um, that. I think you'll find out very quickly that I am a staunch supporter of the public school system. Uh, I think it is one of the most important things in our existence as a society. And um, you'll find out very quickly he is too. But we didn't really dive into a ton of uh, negative stuff about the school system. And part of that is because I'm just so freaking protective of it. Um, episodes back, Joel and I did an invisible path where we spoke about the school system. And he really controlled the conversation and controlled um, the dialogue. And I didn't do a very good job um, of offering the, the more realistic side of the value of the public school system. And I think I, I, think I was a little bit more uh, on, on edge around that subject this time. So it, it may be because I didn't allow the, the this conversation to get off the rails that we really didn't get into maybe some of the, the challenges, the grit within the grace of the system. But I think as you listen to this, you'll, you'll realize um, the value of public educators and how impactful they are in our communities. So I am really excited for you to get to listen to this conversation. Without further ado, it's good to become a legendary with an anonymous school teacher. Maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legendary. Become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself one Your percent better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. Welcome to becoming legendary. We have an extra special episode this week, and Brian. Can you get us all caught up on exactly what's going down? I sure can. Welcome, everybody, to Becoming Legendary. Again, this is Brian. Um, we're so excited to, um, to welcome a person by the name of Joe, which we will refer to as Joe throughout this podcast. And Joe, is, um, Joe has been a teacher in the industry of, of educating our youth for approximately the last 25 years. And... Um, we thought it'd be just sort of changing of times with sort of how um, technology and just how how the youth is changing so rapidly these days. We thought it might be really interesting to dive a little bit deeper into maybe a be behind the scenes view as to what um, our school systems look like and what um, and furthermore, really what what the youth of today um, vibes on, you know, how they're sort of progressing forward um, or not. And, um, and we'll just kind of go from there. So Joe, welcome to becoming legendary. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good to see you guys. 
can you do us the favor, Joe, of giving us, for all those who don't know who you are, um, could you give, do us the favor of giving maybe a 60 to 90 second um, intro of yourself? Sure. Um, I've actually been teaching for 28 years. Uh, you gave me credit for 25. I'll, I'll claim credit for 28. <laughs> That's um, fair. And um, I am the son of a teacher. My father was a teacher. My mother worked in education. So uh, my sister is a teacher. So our family's been in education. Um, and that's what I knew growing up. And that's what I became. And um, things have changed in 28 years. When you think of what life was like in, in the United States and in society 28 years ago, things are quite different today. And um, I've, I think I've observed that change over the course of my um, career. So uh, the, I don't, do you want to know a little bit about the school I teach at in, in a general sense? Please. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've been at the same school the entire time, which I, I consider myself lucky yeah. uh, to be able to stay at the same school for that extended period of time. Um, and we, um, we're, we're a very high achieving, very successful school. And we have been at that high level for a public school at that high level for the extent of my career too. So in many ways, I also consider myself lucky because of that. So, so over the course of twenty-eight years, same school, same same physical building. Is that true? That's true too. Yeah, I've been in the same classroom. Maybe that's wow. what Brian was thinking of. I've been in the same classroom for twenty-five years. Wow! Wow! <laughs> um, has there been has there been a, a socioeconomic change in the student body, student group that you've experienced? Um, that's a, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I would say yes and no to that. Um, there has been, hmm, in our community, we have a very well-off, um, for the most part, our population is very well-off, but there has been an increase over that period of time in people that are not quite so well-off. Um, I don't observe much poverty, if that was uh, what you not looking for, but if, if, if that helps to answer your question. I don't observe much poverty, but um, there is some of that. When maybe 25 years ago, 20 years ago, there really wasn't any of that. Okay. So the gap is sort of widened then from the well-off to the not so well-off, you would say. Well, I don't know if it's widened. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would have that depth of knowledge on that. I just know that it is more, it's a little more prevalent in our community than it used to be. Got it. Which seems just commonplace in, over the course of a quarter century. There's going to be some socioeconomic shift. What are the, what are the other big, and also a quarter century is an awful long time. So it sound, sounds, way, sounds way more. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what are the other what are the other predominant changes that you've that you've noticed that you really want to kind of push into today? Um, well, I will tell you this. In my school, one of the big changes has been diversity. Um, we are 
I mean, we're a veritable United Nations. You can come into my classroom and you can, you, we could probably identify students who are, if, if they're not directly from, their parents are uh, directly from other countries. And um, gosh, I mean, it's amazing. I have students from Turkey and Dubai and um, India and um, Nigeria. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing how many different ethnicities, nationalities, cultures are represented in, in an average classroom um, in our building. And that was, that was not the way it was 25 years ago. Um, it's a community that attracts a lot of different people. And, and uh, you can see that in our school. So just for clarification, because I do not know the, the answer to this, uh, I have an assumption, but this is, this is middle America, right? Yep. Suburban Midwest town. Yep. Okay. That's um, interesting. And, and how has that, how has that cultural melding pot shifted, shifted the school dynamics? Yeah. That's a great question because I, I, I have noticed a shift. And one of the things that is interesting is when I first got hired there, and obviously my first number of years there, there was a, um, I, I suppose, more of a more unity amongst the student body, uh, because those students at that time all grew up together. Mm. They came through elementary school together. They came mm. through middle school together. Um, and nowadays, and, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just different. Nowadays, students at the high school did not go to elementary school with one another. Um, mm. They did not go to middle school with one another. Some um, have just arrived at the high school and this is their first experience in the community. So there is an interesting lack of cohesion and lack of unity. Hmm. Um, and, and maybe that's not the right word for it, but um, it has, um, hmm. yeah, I guess I'll, I'll stick with it. I'll stick with the lack of unity, lack of cohesion because of the so many different types of people and, and the different cultures. Yeah. It's, Ahead, it sounds man. it's it sounds like there's it's it's becoming more of like a transient type of community then when what I mean by that is I heard a stat the other day that the average American changes jobs every two years so it might is that my question really lies in this Joe like do you think it's more of from people changing jobs and shifting in and out of the community or is that simply because of I mean this is a, a, a lane I want to go down as well is that because of technology is that because of of the, of the children don't don't spend as not, enough or as much time together when they were when they were growing up meaning they're on their phones or on the computers more often than they are connecting in person mm. so there's lack of that, that that cohesion and community you were mentioning it's a good question to ask a guy who's had the same job for over a quarter century <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> but i think it can be all of the above uh, my I, I my sister has had gosh i don't know how many my sister's one of those people like we're always getting on her case because she doesn't keep the same job for more than, than two or three years. Yeah. And um, she's 15 years younger than I am. And um, I don't know what it could be. It could be a complacency. It could be, hmm. you know, people of my generation, I think um, the idea was you, you, you lived in a, 
a town, a city, a location, and you just didn't think outside that box as much as mm. people do today. And I, I would say um, that maybe the technology that allows people to have uh, some connection with the world outside of their mm. present circumstances um, allows them to see beyond and then experience ex experiment more and uh, seek out um, other places and other experiences. Mm. Uh, there also may be a complacency there that the grass is always greener um, mm. than, than, than where I'm standing now, you know? So mm -hmm. that you kind of asked a pretty wide ranging question that we can kind of break down if you want. Uh, but that's what I would say. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to dive a little deeper into, um, into this idea of the diversity of the community and how that, interrelates with outside the box thinking um because as you as you say as you say there's kind of this melting pot of of uh cultural or cultural experience or humanity one of the things that immediately strikes me is how um how homeschool in particular is essentially designed to prevent diversity of thought and how important I view public schools diversity as actually being in that it does, when you are exposed to lives that happened uh, or happen differently than the way your life happens, you really are presented with new ways of cognating for lack of a real word. Um, and, and I've, and I've, I've had this, I've had this really interesting thing because if there's this new, there's this new kitschy thing in suburbia to push towards more and more homeschooling. And I view that as uh, socially devastating, not because, mm -hmm. oh, you don't get to actually socially interact. I view it as socially devastating because if you are around people who think exactly how you think all the time, that insular thought experiment, uh, has never worked out remarkably well for humanity. So can you tell me, is, is there any perceivable experience, is there any perceivable shift in outside the box thinking or, or lateral thinking maybe from, from your student base just, just tied maybe, maybe to this diversity? Hmm. Well, let me back up a little bit first of all. I, I think, to go back to your initial point, the the fact that there are so many different types of people from so many different places who, who bring so many different perspectives and life experiences together, I think um, has been a, a, certainly a net positive for, for students that are from my community, let's say, because they may not, they may never travel. Let's just take a country like Nigeria. I've had number, numerous Nigerian students over the last seven or eight years. I would argue very few, if any, of my Nigerian students are ever going to travel to Nigeria. It's probably just never going to happen. So it does give them a perspective on how other people live and how other people think and, and um, in those sorts of things. Um, as far as diversity of, of thought, if I'm understanding you correctly, um, 
I don't know if it has led to diversity of thought, to be quite honest with you. Um, in some ways, it has, it has caused some people to just, oh gosh, what, how, stay in their own lane um, because they may be unsure of or unfamiliar with. Um, they may, it might be safer, let's say, for a 15-year-old or a 14-year-old or, you know, a teenager. It just might be safer for a teenager to stay in their own lane and um, avoid those unknowns. I don't know if am I answering your question. I'm not sure. If yeah, I, am. I think I think so. Mm. I, I would say that I would say that staying in your own lane is not the antithesis of uh, diversity, and that if there was no other lane, like if there is no other lane, the likelihood of you being able to change lanes is zero. Correct. Where if there if there are other lanes, there's at least a potential possibility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, well, by st maybe staying in your own lane, as I think about it now, is maybe not the best way for me to put it. Um, because obviously these, these so all these different types of kids, they interact, they're in the band together. They're on the tennis team together. You know, they're on the chess club together. They're in the choir together. You know, they, they certainly interact. Um, I, there are friend groups with multiple ethnicities. So I, I certainly don't want to give the impression that, you know, in the, in the cafeteria, there's you know, segregated, not segregated, but separated tables of kids from one um, uh, ethnicity eating together and kids from another because that doesn't happen in fact it's kind of interesting in our school I mean, our kids do do really really well with that um, but uh, I don't know I guess in my experience they don't verbalize um, the cultural differences very much but that could also be just a product of of school and and um, you know trying to execute a lesson plan and and uh, you know trying to achieve the goals that are required by the curriculum and how how much room is left for those things to be discussed. Mm. Um, so, is that something? Do you do you encourage those the that so so for so for example if you're in, if you're in a class right and someone has an, an out of box. Um, or out of the box comment or, or, or something that's like about the curriculum that you're teaching on. Is that something that you encourage you invite that into the classroom? The, the, oh, freedom, absolutely. Of, the freedom of thought. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, because, um, you know, I'm, I'm limited by my life experiences. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm not an expert in everything and, and their lives are, are their lives. So if they have something to add that I can't add, if they have a perspective that I'm unfamiliar with, if I have, if I'm under an incorrect perception or communicating something that may not be correct, oh, absolutely, I would encourage that. You know, if a kid says, I'm from this country, or I traveled there two summers ago, or my grandparents lived there, then I'm like, I turn the floor over to them and say, you take it. You know, tell us what it's like. I had a student, this is interesting, I had a student um, whose who's, uh, grandparents or whose parents are from China. This student, I believe, was born in the United States, but her family's still back in China. 
and we were talking about the surveillance state mm. in China. And she, the last time she had visited, it was over one of our one of our breaks. She took pictures of all of the surveillance cameras that are on, like the um, when you pull up to an intersection and you have the the the, the pole that holds the traffic light. Yep. There must have been thirty security cameras on that pole pointed in every direction. And it was an amazing thing to see um, because our kids, you know, our kids here, you know, there might be, a, uh, you know, a speeding sensor on the, on that pole, but to see all those security cameras was kind of jaw dropping for, for me. I've never been to China and for some of my students. So that's, that's just one example of something something like that. Are there cameras set up in your school today? Oh my gosh, there's cameras everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually talking to my students about that today. Right outside my door are three cameras. Right outside my classroom door are three cameras and they're everywhere. They're everywhere in our building except the bathrooms. Um, The security guys have an extra large computer screen. They can click on any camera at any given moment. They're all recording. Our buses, our school buses have cameras that record video and audio. Yeah, it's that's that didn't exist when I showed up there. That's for sure. That's for sure. So 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 let's let's um, let's pull back the the layers of this onion a little bit deeper and and talk a little bit about about the technology shifts you've seen. Um, I know that we've spoken in the past. Every single student. Um, that you that now carries their cell phone, I think brings their computer into class as well. Is that is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Yep. And we then, actually uh, their school issued computers. Oh, really? So you get a school? Yeah. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, I, I don't know when they get issued. They might get issued seventh grade. And anyways, that's their computer for their entire career. Wow. That's wow. So, <laughs> they get a Chromebook. Yeah. That is so interesting. Gosh, we weren't even, I mean, yeah, that's totally different than when we were in high school. That's for sure. Right. So what, what kind of, what kind of applications, tools, how how do you utilize technology to, well, a two-part question. So one, do you think technology is helping you teach? (laughs) And number two, do you think, how do you, how do you utilize technology to help further sort of um, create an impactful lesson plan and curriculum for your students? Well, the second, uh, the second one's always a challenge. And don't let me forget about the first, the first question. Um, but the second one is a challenge. And the second one is a challenge because, or at least I think, is because um, information is, is so easily attainable. You just type in keywords and the computer spits back everything. Um, the challenge that I think we have as teachers is to encourage the students to not choose the very first link that shows up mm-hmm. you know we remember when we were in school we were teenagers all once too and we wanted to finish our assignments asap how do you do that you choose the first link and that becomes your source <laughs> exactly um so it's constantly a challenge in order to encourage them to do that oftentimes you have to you have to direct them and give, give, I, at least I, it's been my experience again, give them five 
or so sources that will not be the first ones that show up and you know allow them to use those um, so it is challenging to do that and you know what's funny too because they have these computers and and because they've you know they're so used to having assignments on the computer and, and obviously the internet is a part of their life every minute of every day um they sometimes seem bored with technology-based assignments interesting that they don't find them interesting yeah. um okay i'll go click on the internet again i'll hit a google search again and i'll just copy and paste some information you know you got to avoid that one too the copying and the pasting. of course um so uh, those are the challenges there the first part of your question was what i told you not to let me forget <laughs> i might have forgotten the first part of my question <laughs> Um, what were the, so the uses of technology, how do you use technology to help in, improve your curriculum? That was the second question. The first one was, um, what, what are the, what are the detriments of technology? Like, what do you find the, the negative parts of it in, in the school system? I mean, is there, if, if they're issued a computer at seventh grade, my gosh, it's like, by the time they're a senior in high school, that's seven years of, of, of or six years of experience yeah. on the computer. So like, how, how do you feel that they're, that they're other than the fact that they don't necessarily like those online assignments, which I find interesting, we should go down that rabbit hole as well. Mm -hmm. um, but then, but then how do you, how do they find, um, how, how do they use technology in a way that's, that, that's benefiting them as well? Oh, I remember the first question now. <laughs> um, I think I do. First was the first question. I'm sorry. Was the first question something along the lines of, "Do I use those assignments very often?" or something? Anyways, I'll give you the answer to whatever yeah. that question was. The thought I had was this: We, I didn't use much computer um, and prior to COVID. So then COVID hit, and we were all sent home, of course, and that forced me to use applications like Google Classroom, which I hadn't used prior to that. Um, and that was super convenient. Um, and then we came back from COVID, COVID and we were in a hybrid mode like a lot of other schools. So, so parents and kids could opt in or opt out. So I literally taught a full school year with like 20 kids at home on, the, on a Zoom and five kids in my classroom, wow. which just didn't work. It just mm. didn't work, but it's what we did. And, you know, that's... It, it was what it was. So we continued to use the technology and use Google Classroom. Um, and then we came back full go back to quote unquote normal school last year. And most of us teachers said, well, we've been using Google Classroom. The kids are well versed on their computers and how to turn in assignments and submit assignments and all this. Other Let's keep doing it. Hmm. And um, I found that they were still very detached from the classroom environment because they're staring into a computer screen and they're not looking at one another. They're not engaging with one another. They're not engaging with their teachers. Um, we were all communicating through the technology. So there was, um, there wasn't, I guess that human interaction mm. that I would argue makes teaching rewarding. 
and that I would argue makes learning valuable. So this year, um, I have base. I haven't dropped. We still. I still have Google Classroom. I still give assignments, but um, rarely, rarely this year. It's only September, but rarely this year do I have them sit in their desks and pop open their Chromebooks. Um, and then the other thing we did as a school, and and this was was dealing with the cell phones. Um, I, as a teacher, I hate cell phones. Cell phones are the biggest distraction to a, a young mind that I, I mean, I don't know what else could be a bigger distraction. And we know this in our own lives, right? You're sitting there on the couch, you're bored. What do you do? You grab your phone, you start swiping around. Um, so prior to this school year, it was classroom to classroom, teacher to teacher, cell phone rules. So some teachers are very strict, others weren't, which in the end meant there really were no rules because for the teachers who wanted to be strict, the kids would come in and go, oh, my other three classes, I can do whatever I want. And, you know, you invite yeah. that kind of argument and whatnot. So anyways, this year, the administration finally decided school-wide rule, show up to your classroom. Every teacher has a, a phone holder. Every student has to drop that phone in the phone holder. Wow. And they... And they <laughs> can only have access to that phone when the teacher allows or at the end of class. So, and, and I was shocked how well the kids adapted to that. Cause we all thought us teachers, we all thought there would be some pushback for them that sure. first couple of weeks. And really there wasn't, it was amazing how That's quickly they accepted that. Yeah. And um, so for those two reasons, the phones are now in the phone holder, 30 feet away from them. The Chromebooks are not on their desks for the entire period. I have found that we're kind of back to the human interaction that makes teaching rewarding and hopefully makes learning more accessible to the students because we're looking each other in the eye now and we're having that personal interaction. How is human connection valuable as a teacher? Expand on that just a little bit. I think it's huge. if a student doesn't feel connected uh, in some ways to their classmates, then they're going to essentially wall themselves off, you know, just sit there quietly in their, in their desk and just wait for that bell to ring. If a student doesn't feel um, in some, again, in some ways, and every student is different, but in some way connected to their teacher, again, they're going to sit there quietly and wait for that bell to ring. Um, if a student is not, I mean, if, if a stu- student is not comfortable in the classroom, they're not going to learn. If they're not comfortable with their classmates, they're not going to learn. They're just going to shut themselves off and wait for that bell to ring. Hmm. So it, it is absolutely vital. And that's, again, one of the challenges that I see now, um, as opposed to when I started. When I started my first year of teaching, there was no internet. That's how old I am. <laughs> It was, I think, my second or third year in which there was the, um, uh, gosh, I don't, I don't even remember, broad, uh, not broad, whatever it was called. Dial there up, were two yeah. or three, dial up, yeah. There were two or three computers in the library that you could go to and find something on the internet. And of course, the internet was very primitive anyway, but mm-hmm. yeah, we're talking mid-90s, so... Yeah. Now there's more information and more technology on the student's Apple Watch than <laughs> we had in the 
on the on the library computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So wild. Over the course of time, I imagine there have been there have been things that have repeated. And actually, actually on that note, like the the student who sits there, um, as a student who sat there quietly and waited till the bell rung it throughout the entirety of my uh, <laughs> young educational experience for all of those reasons you named right uh and and no fault to no fault to my teachers just that's just how i i was mm-hmm. um i imagine that has always been there mm-hmm. um but you saw that you saw that ex- expand exponentially is what it sounds like and that that was relatively scary i imagine well yeah because um, what do you do, right? Yeah. If a kid, if a student, if a student shuts down and they don't feel a connection with you, cause they don't have to feel a connection with me. Right. I mean, obviously right. I've, I'm sure I've had hundreds and hundreds of kids who just didn't like me cause we, you know, that's just life. Right. So if a kid is, sh- if a kid shuts down or walls himself off and they don't like you, um, that's a problem yeah. and, uh, that's a challenge. So how do you reach that kid? Um, every single year there's students like that. But when it's everybody, it's, it's essentially impossible to reach everyone, right? There's just not enough physical time or, well, or right. energetic space to do that. Right. And, and, you know, and there's constraints too. So let's say you have 25, 28 kids in a room. So you're responsible for all 28, not two. Um, you've got to execute a lesson plan. You've got to, um, you've got to teach the curriculum. Um, in my classes, there are high stakes tests that our kids have to be prepared for. Um, and that, you know, will determine the future of their educational careers. So, um, you know, there may not be the time to reach every single kid. uh, And that is definitely challenging for sure. When, when you look back over 28 years, is there anything that you've consistently and repeatedly brought to students that has been, you felt the most impactful? Oh, man, I, I, I would say, well, see, that's an interesting, I, here's what I'll, I'll say, I'll try to answer it, and then I'll clarify a little bit. I try to bring energy to the classroom. I try to um, appear excited about what I'm teaching. And for the most part, I am, I am excited about what I'm teaching. I like the content that I'm teaching. Um, but like everybody else, there are days in which I'd rather be somewhere else, but I will turn that button on when class starts. Um, and I, I try and impress that upon kids. The other thing I try to do is I try to attach reality to the concepts that I teach. So if there's a concept A, well, where do we see that in the real world? Hmm. Where do you as teenagers see that in your world? Hmm. Can we turn on uh, the television or can we go online and find real life examples of this concept? So I try to do that. So energy and trying to connect it to their world and, and our world. So they see that these concepts are alive and well. Yeah. Um, those are have been consistent my entire career. I will tell you, will tell you this. Excuse me. 
Um, it's harder to do that now than back then because the, the kids look at me nowadays like their dad or their uncle. Mm. Um, as opposed, I was, yeah. Go ahead, Brian. No, as, I was going to say, as opposed to when you were younger, they looked at you more as like a peer, correct? Like um, a, or a, closer to that. Yeah, right, not a peer, right. but, you know, there's just a different perception. You know, when you're teaching and you're in your 20s and 30s, I would say this, you're not their parent. Yes. However they perceive you, they don't perceive you as their parent, mm. you know, um, which mm. my, ex my experience was they were more um, willing to listen. Yeah. They were more willing to listen to what I had to say. Now, I had a kid the other day, I was trying to, I was just making some stupid quip, you know, to try to get him to laugh about something. And uh, this kid just looked at me and went, that's a dad joke. <laughs> and I looked back and went, you are correct, sir. <laughs> Guilty as charged. That's pretty funny. So, so Patrick, hopefully that answered those, yeah, those questions sure. there. Yeah. And over the course of time, I like I like this this kind of trend where we're going. How is your how is the way that you, you communicate to the students shifted? Right. Because I mean, I know you mentioned you bring your you bring energy and, and 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 try to real life scenarios or examples of what you're of what you're the topic you're teaching on but how is the way that you personally have communicated is that is that shifted anyway from the mid 90s down now to the 2020s hmm. this is an excellent question um i don't i don't know that i have changed very much um great questions causing me to pause here I, again humor i try to use humor um like i said energy um i make a lot of eye contact i try to i try to look kids directly in their eyes um as opposed to over them i remember i had a teacher when i was young and we would always make fun of him he would teach the class and he would just look back to one corner of the room and the other corner the whole the whole period he wouldn't look anyone in the eye oh weird yeah and he wasn't a bad guy he was a decent guy but that was kind of weird so yeah. um i make sure i make eye contact with people um I, I will say this over 28 years you can't be as um stern as you once could be um you can't be as direct as you once could be hmm. you kind of have to step a little lightly hmm. um because uh, i don't know just uh, the you just can't be as blunt and and yeah. you know when i i will say this when i was younger not that i, I hopefully wasn't mean or anything but you could get to the point pretty quickly and sure. now you gotta you kind of have to step lightly and make sure oh hmm. you know do you understand you know these kinds of things yeah. which um I don't know if that's for the better or not, but uh, so anyways, your question was about communicating. I don't know. I believe, I think I communicate in very similar ways. Got it. So the eye contact piece, I want to focus on that for a bit. There's like, there's such an impactful energy exchange when you, when you gaze into someone's eyes, right? Well, I've even some of the yogic training that I've done before 
will, will there's a there's a technique called eye gazing right where you sit close to close to one another you, no words are ever spoken you just simply gaze into the other person's eyes and then you and then there's like a pause after that there's a reflection period then you can sort of share your own experiences back and forth but mm -hmm. that, that power of connecting with someone in the eyes like that seems to me that over the course of the transition through covid and through the the hybrid class in the in the in the google classroom or et cetera, that was sort of taken away yeah. Right? right. So, so as you've gotten back into the full quote unquote, normal classroom, classroom setting, um, do you notice like children or the children, do you notice the kids, do, do they, the students, excuse me, do, did you notice them making more or less eye contact? Is that something that, that you find, or is there, are their heads always down in the, in the technology? Like, I'm just curious how, how you've noticed the, the interaction between the well, students change or shift. Uh, I haven't noticed much of a change. I, like I, I, like I said, I think we're kind of back to where we were before COVID. Yeah. But I will say this: at the end of class, when you know there's two minutes left in the period, and we finish, and I let them have their cell phones back, every single head is down, and all every eye in the classroom is on their phone, and they're swiping. What mm. did we? What did I just miss the last forty-five That's, minutes? Wow. Um, yeah. But. Um, I, I sometimes I, I do a few things. I don't do it a lot, but I do do a few things where I force the kids to look at each other in the eye. Yeah, that's um, a great exercise. You know, like if if I don't know if I ask a question and and there's a lot of hands raised, right? So everyone is answering in the same way. I say, look around the room, and I go now look at somebody directly in the eye. I go hold mm. it, hold it, hold it there, hold it there. Mm. You know, just so again they can see. Hey, I'm. We're all we we all have a similar view on whatever that topic might be. Um, and then the other thing I do, I try to do is if if let's say Patrick's making a point or asking a question um, or commenting on something, I will turn away from Patrick and look at the other side of the classroom and look kids in the eye. You know, and what I have found is that they suddenly go, oh, maybe I should pay attention to this. Mm -hmm. oh, the teacher's looking at me. Um, I found that to be successful too. So that's about non, so that nonverbal communication yeah. can be powerful. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And then you can crazy. always go, Hey, what did, what did Patrick just say? And you force that kid to read, you ask that kid to repeat it. So that's a great learning tool. Absolutely. Let me see. When, when kids are jumping on their phone at the end of class, are, is it always social media? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't look at their phones, and, but it has to be. It has to be. Um, I've, yeah, I, it's TikTok. They're, I mean, it's TikTok all day long. From, from my perspective, from what I understand, they're TikToking all day long. Um, yeah. It's just swipe, 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 swipe. And, you know, you'll see kids texting. You can, you can tell when someone's texting a message by how their fingers move. Sure. Um, you can, but you also notice the swiping and it's just swipe, 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 you know? So are, are there like, um, are there rules? Like it, the school sets up, is there are, like TikTok is allowed everywhere and, and there's no, there's no, like, no, you can't be on this social is a media. TikToking free zone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, there. I mean, I've, I've never been on TikTok. I don't know the. I don't know the. Yeah, yeah. neither have I. But yeah. they, in between classes, they can have their phones, and there's 
they can do whatever they want. Now, wow. the school rules say you can't be filming a video. Right. And you can't be po- you're not supposed to be posting anything. But if you have a thousand kids in a building, is anyone really policing that? Yeah. No. Um, unless something negative happens that they can trace back to, oh, you sent mm. this message or, or filmed this video three weeks mm. ago during that time. But no, I mean, to answer your question, no, there's, they're, they're allowed to have their phones in study halls, in cafeteria, and between classes. Between classes. Yeah. You mentioned to me one time that, that the, the, the police are also walking through the school yeah. halls in full riot gear. Um, with <laughs> oh, back to, not full riot gear. Okay. Like they don't have the helmet on. <laughs> okay. I they have their that. shields out, yeah. their batons ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There might be one, there might be one or two officers okay. in full gear, yeah. but it's not right. They're not wearing a okay. helmet, but so. they do have their, they have their vest on, they have their belt, they have their weapon, they have the taste. I mean, they have everything that you see a police officer wearing. Um, out on out in the streets. And when did that start happening? I mean, I'm just curious because I know that the school shootings, like, I don't know the exact dates around when Columbine and stuff happened, but mm-hmm. um, is has that been a consistent theme, like of of the school vibration? Like, because it just seems like that's a little that's from my perspective, right? I haven't been in school for a very long time. I. I but the, the schooling that I have recently taken there, there's never been any police like presence there. Mm-hmm. Um, so how has that shifted the interaction between the students and the police and then vice versa? I actually think it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when did that start? Uh, that started, I want to say full, full go last school year. Oh, really? Um, so it's because, recent. Okay. Yeah. Be, prior to COVID, um, they added the they added the schools to the the quote unquote beat you know the officers beat oh, so yeah. an officer might show up take a quick walk around the building hop in their car and go on with their day you know just to see you know just to be there and then when we came back from covid um, they added a officer all day long every day so there's wow. just an officer in our building walking around and sometimes the um, the uh, the canine officer and the the dog are there and that's great too and yeah there was some concern that the students would react negatively to that but you know what it's actually been the opposite the officers come in and i think the kids because i think this is again my perception i think the kids have a have a a a perception themselves of how police officers are from watching the news and from social media and then when they actually interact with a police officer Hmm. in a non-confrontational um atmosphere they suddenly realize, well, this guy's or this gal is, you know, they're just they're regular people. They just happen to be a police officer. And actually, they're pretty nice. That's right. So um, I've yeah. actually invited officers when they come down my hallway. I go, hey, you want to come in and answer a few questions? You know, so we've had some impromptu. Yeah. And the officers are like, you know, tell the students, ask me any question you want. I will tell you the answer. That's you know? great. Yeah. And, um, that's you know, that's that's been really, really good. Yeah. And I think having an officer in the building does prevent bad things from happening having got a police, to having a police car parked out in front of the building in my view probably deters bad things from happening yeah. so sometimes it's better to be safe than sorry if you will and i think maybe that's what my my district's philosophy 
uh, is. You know, you don't want you don't want to wish you had officers there when you could have had them there. So that's interesting. If 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 anything good is, I mean, there's a lot of good things that have come out of the recent past, I guess, but that that seems like to be one of them as well. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. My sister's a police officer in. I should know this, North Carolina. Yes, Surf City. Um, It's a small little town and she does school patrol as well. And she lives or she, the the part of the community that she lives in is a um, below middle-class sort of community. And she's found that the the students in a like reaction with her um, has, has, has been like a roller coaster, right? And it, and it absolutely follows the trend of what's happening in the news. She, she feels like, so um, really? the news reports are good. She feels like the relationships are improved, you know? So it's like, it's very cyclical in that way. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that could go to the differences in, in that community. Um, and, and the community that I teach in. That's true. Okay. Mass, yeah, go ahead. No, follow it. You, no, you go hit ahead. It. No, you got it. Yep. Okay, so if there was one thing that could be done, right? Magic wand thing. So this is not like, oh, this is and isn't possible. Uh, this is just if there's one thing that could be done within the educational system uh, that you've been able to experience over 28 years, that would be the most dramatic impact, beneficial impact, hopefully, um, what would it be? Ooh, magic wand, huh? Yeah. You so got no, one. like, yeah. there's here's the magic like, wand. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if this is what you're looking for, but this is what yeah. I'll say. I love it. Give me a, give me, I'll, I should, I'll say me, but any teacher, give any teacher a willing student, supportive parents, and you'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, that's as simple as it is. Yeah. It's as simple as it is. The student has to be willing and eager to learn. Yeah. And then if the parents support the teachers and the schools, that student will learn. I'm, I'm convinced of that. And that's, that's all it takes. And I would even argue <clears throat> it doesn't take money. It takes an eager and willing student and supportive parents, and that student will learn whatever they want to learn and however fast they want to learn and however deep they want to learn. Which is pretty rad because you don't need a magic wand to make those two things happen. Well, I, that, that's, I know. That's why I was like, I'm not sure if this is what you're looking for. But yeah. yeah, that's rad. You know, uh, you better, look, better than what I could have hoped for. Yeah, I look, I look back on the 28 years and you think of you think of the students that struggled and the, the students that maybe didn't make it or whatever. And it's like, well, you weren't even in it. You know, you didn't even put any effort into it or you put very little effort into it. And, yeah. and there was, you, you know, your parents, you know, they may have had challenges and they couldn't have been supportive. Um, but you know, what? I, anyways, eager and willing students, supportive parents and uh, things can happen. Things can happen. I think that, that that rolls across all of society yeah. as well, right? I yeah. mean, it applies to school first first and foremost, but like in the rest of your life too, that seems to be pretty impactful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's one of my favorite answers that I've ever received on this podcast. That is uh, such, there's so much hope 
in in that um, mm-hmm. sediment, which is mm-hmm. sentiment, which is just rad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> any it- any last thoughts from you, Brian? I just As think it's been towards the end here. Yeah, no, I just, I just want to say thanks, Joe, for, for taking the time, carving out the time of, of your busy schedule, man. We appreciate you so much. I think this has really allowed some good insight into what the heck is happening behind closed doors these days. Um, is there anything you want to leave us with, Joe? Uh, no, I think actually Patrick's last question was probably the, a great way to end it, you know, um, because that's really the, at the, the crux of the whole matter. So, um, it's a challenge. I, I, I don't know. It's a challenging profession, even at my late stage. Maybe, that, maybe that's why it's so challenging now, because uh, I'm a little bit older than I used to be. Uh, but uh, no, thank you guys for having me. And thank you for even considering me as uh, somebody worthy of, oops, I'm sorry, worthy of, uh, worthy of some insight. Yeah, this is great. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Well, say so. We should say we should say thank you, right? Because I do think that um, educators in general are are remarkably underappreciated for the impact mm-hmm. that they do have on individual beings and societal experience. So, um, thank you for dedicating twenty eight years of your life to doing that. That's pretty rad, and for giving us the time to to dig in uh, for about an hour on that too. All righty, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Joe. All right. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. See you, man.